Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and just want to reflect for a moment on having my now... Was it too soon? I can't even say it yet. No, you can't say it yet. Oh, I can't even just say it. it I'm going to tell you later on. <laughs> See, now you got to wait, because Dr. Ravello has all kinds of new clout. That is true, but... To be discussed later. That's right. We're going to wait. We will not. It's like you just have to. It's like waiting for a new release of some (laughs) amazing new tune by your favorite artist. Like the Netflix. New episodes coming at some point. Someday. We don't know. (laughs) Maybe it'll be canceled, but yours will not be. You are you are officially there. So I will uh, I will hold on that news because I'm excited about it. Thank you. And congratulations. And you all who are listening will just have to wait until it's. That's right. Totally like announced to the whole world but it's good news and great for you and great for plastic surgery so we're happy for you to be making your way through your career the way that you are thank you thank you very much also happy that you are the co-host of the beverly hills plastic surgery podcast i sure am you are and and many have noted that they really like your voice when they listen to the podcast (laughs) 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 it always comes up where they're like, I really like her voice. I was like, uh, oh, hello. And, and is there any other voice on there that you like? Because there, there's a, there's, a, there's one other one actually. And they're like, no, no, I really just, I really like, you know, I like Dr. Ravello's voice. She really sounds great on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Fair Good enough. enough. So maybe she should just do it by herself and I'll, no, I'm just kidding. No, I like having you around. Thanks. Thanks for keeping me. Um, but it is, it is true that some people have a really good voice for podcasting. Which is better than having a face for podcasting I've been or told a that. face for radio. <laughs> mm. I have been told that. Um, yeah, that's true. It's, it's good. Life is good. The, uh, the podcast has had a uh, big reception in the rhinoplasty community. And, and also, I think our liposuction episodes have also been pretty mm-hmm. well received. They definitely have. And I know one patient came in after listening to the breast augmentation episode saying that was very helpful. So more and more people are into it. Yeah. And we're happy about that. So today we're going to do something that I do a lot of and we're going to do an episode on teen rhinoplasty. You definitely do a lot of it. I see on your schedule a lot of younger uh, men and women yes. coming in for their rhinoplasty under the age of 20. I guess we could call teen under the age of 20. I w- yeah, and I would include in this the, the 21, 22, yeah. 23, 24-year-olds too, because even though they are technically not minors and they can sign for themselves, they, they oftentimes have parents involved. For sure, especially when we're talking about going through insurance and things like that. A lot of times they're still on their parents' insurance plan. and So yeah, that sounds fair. But it's really about the decision-making that, mm-hmm. you know, that's where the parents get involved. And so in teen rhinoplasty, for sure. If they're under 18, then they can't do this without the consent of their parents and their parents are the ones making the decision. But I really think that the decision for teen rhinoplasty has to be driven by the patient. And so that's an interesting topic. And I was going to ask you that for the patients that you see that are legitimate teenagers, where does it come from? Is it the kids going to the parents and being like, I hate my nose, I hate this bump? Or do you see the parents sort of nitpicking their kids' appearance and being like, "Mm, have you thought about, do you want to do anything about this? It's an interesting question. And that's where uh, it's mostly the patient 
It's the teen rhinoplasty patient driving the process. That's good. Which is good because it's an adult decision to have surgery. Um, just because they're a minor and they can't sign for themselves doesn't mean they don't think like an adult. And so I really like it when the push for the rhinoplasty comes from the patient. Well, that, and that's what it should be. You certainly don't want parents going around critiquing their child's appearance and pushing for surgery. So it definitely needs to come from the teenager. It definitely needs to come from them personally. No, the parents that are critiquing their teenager's appearance and forcing them to have rhinoplasty should be slapped. No, those are stage moms. <laughs> that's a whole different. <laughs> that's a whole different category, and that's a different podcast altogether. Okay, that could be like its own reality show. We have like toddlers and it's tiaras. It's been and- a reality show like many times over, and it's awful. It's so yeah, not nice. To that's the kids. not nice. No, that's yeah. awful. I mean, it really isn't, and that's why I really love it when the kid drives it. And usually, it's this. This is how the story goes. My nose was great until I turned about 12. Yep. Yep. And then all of a sudden this bump appeared. Yes. And then all of a sudden it started to drop down. And then all of a sudden it got huge. And now I look like this. Right. And they don't like the big bump. They don't like the... And, and those things aren't there when they're, when they're 10 yeah. or 11. It's true. You never look at a child and think, oh, gosh, poor kid. Look at that nose. Most children have noses that you're no. like, oh, how cute. Or that, or you don't even notice it. It's just, it's a nose. That's There's right. very rarely bumps. It's soft. It's a cute kid nose. And then something happens when puberty hits and the hormones start moving around. And that's when you start seeing the humps. And, and the especially on the girls and the well girls and and guys and the guys too but the girls are the ones that are they really bothered it, by yeah. it and they, they go they through get, it earlier too they do they get bothered yeah. by it right out of the gates as soon as they see that bump they're just like what yeah hang on what happened like, to my nose when did my dad come in here and put his nose on my face because that's that is really common for the daughter to have know, the dad's nose I know which is fine on the dad but just not great on the daughter no no and it's really and it, it is these are disconcerting things and they get made fun of. And, you know, once the ridicule starts happening, then the the kids are just, they're just heartbroken. And it's brutal for them. It is. It's a self-esteem issue. They they don't feel good about themselves. They didn't have that hump when they were 10. And now it's like, what do I do about it? And so when do you think that the nose sort of, okay, the nose obviously keeps evolving all through life and through adulthood. I mean, it's always going to be changing. But when would you say sort of the final adult nose comes into play? Like at what age would you be like, okay, your nose has changed and it's probably not going to change significantly more. Now we can operate on you. Well, it's different for boys and girls. So for, for the females, I think once they've begun to menstruate, then, uh, you know, fancy way of saying having their period. Mm-hmm. I got it. I saw your look. <laughs> so, I know not everybody knows that name, but, you know, that word. But, the, but once they've begun to have their period, then their facial growth is usually done. Um, it's done enough. It will change. Their look will change, but their their bony structure of the face is essentially there. So that could know, be. But we have girls having periods when they're like nine. No, I know, but that the you have to use your judgment. So yeah. in general, I don't do rhinoplasty on anybody for cosmetic reasons. Really, before fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, I mean, fifteen's about the lowest. That's the lowest. Fourteen. It'd have to be something where you're like, okay, we we, we got to right. do this. And then, but any younger than that, and they're really not making adult decisions. I mean, there's no. the physiology of it, but there's also just their mind and their emotions and their maturity. They're not ready for 
a surgery no. like that. No, not at all. And I always ask the the patient, I'm like, you know, so what do you want to see out of this? You know, because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that it's them that's driving the process. Right. If they say, I don't see any problem with my nose, and I'm like, like, well, then we're oh, not doing this. Yeah. That's it. That's we're out. Problem. Um, and I'll tell you a, a story of a of an epic fail of a teen who was operated by his parents, essentially told to have an operation by his parents. <laughs> um, back to the question, the males, boy, I like to wait. They, they, they change. I mean, they hit a their lot. growth spurts much later. They finish development much later. I mean, yeah. And their faces change. I mean, you can see a six foot three, 17 year old guy who has a boyish face. Yeah. He still hasn't gotten his man face. Right. Right. Soft cheeks, soft jawline, but yeah. he's giant, <laughs> but the face hasn't grown yet. And that's really common. So if I look at them and say, you know, he still has a boyish face, I want to see him get the man face before you want to do a rhinoplasty. Yeah. And there are a lot of, there are 16 year old boys that have the man face too. Ooh, yeah. You know, they do. They got the full beard and they look, they look like men. Right. So they're fine for rhinoplasty, yeah. but the, the boyish faced 17, 18 year old that still hasn't gotten his his chisel hasn't still gotten all the things that are you know going to show that he's fully grown. I let him grow another yeah, year right. or two if we can. It, now if they're if they're bumming and it's really brutal and they need to get it done, then we'll we'll talk about it. But you want to get that full growth in because first of all, it's going to grow more then mm-hmm. unless you take out the growth center in the septum, which you know I, oftentimes I do when I do a septoplasty. And that's not a problem because very few people are like, gee, I really was hoping my nose would grow more. (laughs) (laughs) After my rhinoplasty. (laughs) I really really was kind of looking forward to some more growth. I wanted a bigger bigger nose would be better. (laughs) I I really find that to be rare, that uh, most people don't have rhinoplasty, have a bigger nose, except in Asian rhinoplasty, which is a whole other topic. We can do that another day. But that's the thing. It's like with the teens... You know, they have to get the parents on board. The parents have to be on board. They really have to understand why their son or daughter wants to do this. And they have to be on board with it before they bring them into the plastic surgeon. Like, I don't want to get into the conversation of should I or shouldn't I, you know, in the office with me there. Right. No, you really don't want that kind of family drama. That's not Not, a good that's not a good discussion for me to be involved in. First of all, I'm a surgeon. So my answer is. Yes, you'd like to have a right. <laughs> you already know. Oh, you want my input? If you want me to vote, yes. um, you can count me in as a one because I love doing rhinoplasty and I think it's great. And yeah. no, but not everybody needs to have it, and that's for sure. It's like you can, you know, you can really analyze every case very carefully, and the ones that are clean kind of decisions, like I've got a dorsal hump, I got a droopy tip, I don't like the way it looks, I feel like it would look better this way done like that's a right. no-brainer it's like of course because the, the self-confidence in teen rhinoplasty the confidence boost that these kids get huge it's it's enormous yeah it's life-changing right it, it is because it changes their whole face especially if it's very prominent i mean the stories that i have of the the kid who comes in male or female you know shoulders slumped over head down trying to hide their nose that they don't like says four or five words in the whole consultation i just was hoping to have a better nose i really just don't like it i don't like the hump one year later when they come back and they're like the captain of the football team or like you know oh my god you know and i'm auditioning for this play on broadway and next year college i can't even believe that it happened like you see this stuff and unless you see it with your own eyes you can't believe 
the the radical confidence boost That's that so comes cool. with these kids. Yeah. It's it's huge. It's tremendous. There's also a, another side of that that's a little bit of a downside for part of the factions that come to the to the consultation although during COVID-19 that's not happening much but a lot of times I look at the hump and I look at the boyfriend (laughs) and and I know and I'm like unfortunately this boyfriend will be taken away with this he's not gonna last he's not gonna last yeah no (laughs) i really feel bad about that and i feel bad saying it but unfortunately it's very very true the truth it's so sad it's just like oh he's such a nice guy though but but unfortunately you're never gonna see you again it's really sad (laughs) but once that hump's gone i'm sorry bye (laughs) (laughs) it's just i've noticed it's happened so many times And and I don't want to say anything, and I and I don't because no. you know I'm trying to be you know politically correct, and and I'm obviously not in this podcast, which is okay. But it's the truth. It's, it's the observation. It's just an observation. It's just you know maybe the next one will make it past the hump. I don't know, but like it's it's really tough because you know these people they just you know boy or boy or girl, male female, whatever you want to say, man woman, they get their confidence level is is really it it's just it, it's amazing. It's really fun. I love that about what I do. I love seeing people like blossom right. as a person because they're able to correct something. It's not it's not that it's wrong. Like there's nothing wrong with humps. There are parts of the world humps are great. Yeah, but to that person, to that patient, That's right. it was affecting their confidence. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, like I like you remember when we go to Dubai and they'd like say, oh, I kind of want to keep some of the hump. I'm like, I doctor. Really? Doctor. <laughs> you really want to keep that hump? Yeah, I just wanted a little smaller. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. And then the guys always ask for, there's one of the princes in Dubai that has the fazanos. That's what they call it. And uh, he's like, that means like prince or like, you know, the one or something like that. And this guy's got a great Arabic nose. It's like killer. And they like want that nose. They want, the nose. They want to keep all their Arabicness, which I think is awesome. But they want me to shape it that way. Right. And by the way, one of the hardest things to do is to reshape and keep the hump and still maintain a natural look. So it's a very hard operation. I could see that. Yeah, Definitely. It's not, that's not something that we do a lot. And then when you do, it's actually a little tricky. And one thing that's very hard for me to do, and I'm not able to do it, is to build a hump that looks natural. You know, if somebody says, like, I really like a hump back, like I liked it after, I'm like, I just can't do that. No. It doesn't It doesn't really work. You can make some kind of lump or something there, but to make it like that natural, I don't know, maybe you do a nose transplant at that point. <laughs> and maybe I'll do that in my, in my latter years, work on transplanting noses. There you go. Somebody needs to do that. Yeah. There's a lot of people that could use a nose transplant, but that's not, not what we're talking about. Not our about teenagers. Today. No, the teenagers, teenagers don't need nose transplants. So other aspects about teen rhinoplasty. People always say, is the nose going to grow after a rhinoplasty? Yeah. It can. It can. It I mean, can. like we said, the nose continues to evolve. The nose that you have as a 25-year-old is not going to be the nose you have as a 50-year-old. It's going Operated to continue to change. It's going to droop. It's going to get bigger. So yeah, the nose is going to continue to change. But rhinoplasty does put a damper on that yes. growth. And so I have noticed, and this has been something of great interest of mine is over the years, because the teens are always concerned, like, am I going to need another rhinoplasty? Most will not. Most will not. Some will. Some the age, the rhinoplasty will not age well and they will come to need another operation. And that's okay. But 
they will not obviously have the nose that they had before. So if they do experience growth, and I, and I have a kid right now that grew a little bit of a humpback. You know, we did it kind of early. She loves her nose, but she did get this little thing which is driving her and me crazy. And so I have to go shave it down. You know, I did a little steroid injection. I thought it was scar tissue. I think it, it might be, but it grew enough that like I got to go shave it again. And she's like, it's okay. I love my nose. Like, yeah. I, I'm not trading back for that other one, but let's get this thing off and make it perfect. So there are things that come up and that's, that's important to know. You can't just think like, oh, I'm going to get this rhinoplasty. It's one and done and that's that. Right. But that's any patient, any age, really. And any operation. Yeah. Any operation. Lift, breast right. augmentation, liposuction, whatever. Plastic surgery is not forever because these operations age in a way that they are operations right. that age. It's not natural anatomy. So you have to be willing to kind of get on board with that if you're going to do this. And I think that's a good teaching point for any plastic surgery we do. Like, Especially breast reconstruction. I was just going to say breast <laughs> implants, breast reconstruction. If you're getting implants placed, let me tell you, you are married to those implants or you're going to have a lot of surgeries down the road. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah. It, it's important to understand. Um, so the teens... They typically, well, how long, the big question is like, how long does it take? The operation for me is between two and three hours, usually for a primary, you know, secondaries are a whole nother topic. You should go to a different podcast, listen to the revision rhinoplasty, um, about a week to two weeks of rec- acute recovery. And do you see, you have a ter- certain time frame for yours? Do you see them mostly in the summertime, over Christmas, Thanksgiving? Yeah. I mean, I, the holidays are most common yeah. and summer. Because that's when the kids are not in school. Right. Now that we're in this now pandemic, like whatever. Because like I've been school. doing a lot of teen <laughs> rhinoplasty lately. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it, it's interesting. I mean those yeah, like in June and December, I do like just you know tons of teen rhinoplasty. And I think one thing that we are both very aware of, and it's not unique to teen rhinoplasty. It's sort of what we know from treating children. In surgery, treating plastic surgery patients, p- treating regular children, you don't just treat the child, you treat the family. <laughs> <laughs> that Valium is not just for the patient. It's no, not just. just- <laughs> <laughs> you can't take your children's Valium, <laughs> but maybe you should. But maybe you should have your own. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding, but maybe I'm not. No, I'm just, no. <laughs> right? Sometimes. The parents, I feel so bad do, for them. The hardest oh. part is is taking care of the parents oh of the God. child that you are treating. They see their kid like looking like they got run over by a bus yes. and they just freak. And they just freak out. Totally. And the kid is upset and they have the black eyes and they can't breathe and they're swollen and the parents don't know how to handle it. No, I recommend highly to bring in a nurse if necessary, like somebody who can calm Someone who the knows. parents down. Yeah, yeah, no, it's terrible for the parents. Yeah. I feel terrible for them. And they, they get really upset. And the kid's like, I'm fine. You know? <laughs> and the parents are like, ah! like, what happened here? Oh, it's that natural protective mechanism of totally. like, they signed on for the rhinoplasty as well. They feel some guilt, some responsibility for you know putting this on their child. What did I do? So I get it. I have four kids. You yeah. have one. It's a lot of children in this podcast already. Yes. And that, yeah, we know. Like when you see your kids down for the count, it is... Yeah. It's tough. It's really tough. You know, I mean, I I think my son had like 38 procedures and not one mm. of them was fun to watch him go through. Right. Not one. Because you can't, you can't do anything about it. No, you can't take you it away like, from them. It's going to hurt. You know, substitute yourself in for them. Nope. It's hard. Have to take it. Yeah. And the, and you know, it's tough when they're having a hard time after yeah. surgery. That's when parents really melt down. 
and they think like, oh my God, what did I do? You gave them a great nose. That's what you did. You got to like eye on the prize on this one. You know, wax on, wax off, get through it. This is, this is something you got to just do to get through those one or two weeks to get to the end product. And once it's there, you know, you've got it. The kids are very happy. Parents are happy, but it is a family recovery process. Especially ever. for the kids, too. Most of these kids, in general, are fairly healthy. They've never had any major medical problems. They may or may not have ever had surgery before. So they don't, the kids don't know what really pain is or what surgery recovery is. So they are a little immature. And then that just makes the parents' anxiety a little bit worse. And it's a whole thing. There are some kids. And this is bizarre, but there are some kids who've really never felt pain. Like they didn't right. play sports. They never broke a bone. They never broke a bone. Yeah. They never, you know, they never had that, the opportunity to read. They never had a cavity, you know, they didn't yeah. have their wisdom teeth out. Like yeah. they've just never had pain of that level. Right. You know, they bump their legs or hit yeah. their head or whatever. Every kid does. But that, but this is different. And it's not like it's terrible pain, by the way. No, but they're just not used to it. They just have never had anything. Yeah. If people always ask me, what's the level of pain? I say, like, if you've had your wisdom teeth out, that's kind of it. Right. That's about the same level of pain. It's not excruciating. Um, and I really urge the kids to get off the narcotics very quickly. Yeah. Because of the constipation issue, which is, which is a whole brutal. other issue. That's the next week that you're dealing with. <laughs> if you think the nose thing's a problem, like taking Percocet for a week straight, like Whew. you'll probably not go to the bathroom yeah. for the next six months. Right. So, yeah, I really recommend they get off the narcotics quickly. But the families have to sign up, they got to be ready. They need to do the, they got to do like, suck it up boot camp to to get through this because it is not easy for the family to see it um ice like crazy head up on three pillows take the antibiotics take the pain pills just ride it out ride it out you know call us when you when you're up on the ledge we'll talk you down (laughs) we do i my whole staff is amazing (laughs) for that they're just you know they're constant like no don't worry it's gonna be okay like they they really have to do that a lot and then they get through it. I mean, I've I've got I've done so many teen rhinoplasties now. I mean, I probably do probably twenty five percent of my rhinoplasties are Primary. teenagers. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Maybe more. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a, a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, if you think about, it, I've done I've done twenty in the last you know four weeks that are wow. teen rhinoplasties. You know, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, more that's coming next week and. I mean, this this pandemic has been good for teen rhinoplasty business <laughs> just because the kids are home and they're, they're like, home, hey, want to get that nose job? Anywhere <laughs> for the summer. There's no family yeah, vacations like, planned. Do do? No trips to Europe. Like, what else are you going to do with your summer? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I love it because I think it's such a powerful move for the kids and, and I really applaud them for making that a, adult decision and I applaud the parents for supporting them. It's not cheap. Cost uh, anywhere from... Now, these are Beverly Hills prices. Like, if we go to Bluffton, South Carolina, the price is different. I have a friend in Bluffton. That's why I brought that up. Um, he's a plastic surgeon there. And I know he doesn't charge between thirteen and $17,000 for a primary rhinoplasty. But that's what it is here. You know, if you're paying... If somebody gives you a quote for seven thousand, you probably have to kind of look at it and say, "Doesn't the surgery itself cost seven thousand dollars?" Yeah, it's a little low. Yeah, it's pretty low. So, um, but in but in Bluffton, South Carolina, it's probably still eight thousand yeah. dollars for a rhinoplasty. I would say Ten. bottom low level here would be, but by a decent, great surgeon, you're looking at eighty five hundred. I think is yeah, about that's the probably lowest. the that's respectable. 
It, yeah, I mean, there are people that charge. I know really good surgeons that charge eighty five hundred. They yeah. just want to do them. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they're like not no, absolutely. The, I, I, it takes me a lot longer to do what I do, so I charge more for it, and I do different things, and so there's a lot more involved with what I do that I just, I, I can't do. I can't do a rhinoplasty in an hour. I can't. No, I, I just not. can't do that. No I know way. that operation. I could do it. I could do it well. I could make it look really nice, but it won't look nice in three years. And it won't be what the operation that I wanted, and it won't be the result that my patient wanted. And so I just don't do that one-hour rhinoplasty. That's a big thing, too, in teen rhinoplasty and any rhinoplasty is that there's so many ways to do this operation. So many. And That's the nature of plastic surgery. Yeah, so it's like you don't know (laughs) whether you're buying, you know, uh, I don't want to disparage any cars, but just in terms of price-wise, a Toyota Camry or a Bentley. And those those are two cars that are very nice. They get you to where you're going, but they get you there differently, and they get you there with a different result. So the the way that the operation is done can afford certain different kind of results. And uh, my operation just takes a long time because I do a lot of graphs and I do things that I think look good long term, yeah. especially for the teenagers. Support is everything. Right, right. So if you're going to put in all those graphs, you, you can't do it in eighteen minutes. Yeah. What else do we have to go over on Teen Rhino? I think you covered it, Doctor. You think we got it? All right. Well, if you have any other questions, you know where to find us. But for now, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is Medi Spa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rock Spa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty. And if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. 
My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.